0: Start with uh, that that remembrance of communion, coming to the Lord's table. And I have, am I turned off all of a sudden? No. Okay, I just can't hear myself in the monitor. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'm going to assume you can hear me because I can't hear me. But um, so we are coming and we are remembering the Lord's table. If you did not, by the way, uh, grab one of those, those cups as you came in, please raise your hand and an usher will, will make sure that you get one. But as we come, it's a beautiful time of, of remembering. And honestly, last week as we had that, that potluck dinner, and we all sat down with our plates and, and our drinks, and, and we were fellowshipping, we were talking with one another, and, and just sharing, I, I, I paused, I sat in a place where I could pause just a little bit to listen, and, and listen to some of the conversations. And it was such a blessing to, to hear the church fellowshipping, breaking bread together, and in many cases, lifting up our Lord. That's communion. When we come to his table and we fellowship together, and as we do so, we remember what he has done. It says in the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he met with his disciples, and he took the bread. None of them fully understood that night, but oh, they would come to appreciate it so well. Something they would do on a regular basis of taking bread and breaking it. And when Jesus broke the bread, He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat of it, remember me. And He asked a blessing. So before we, we partake of the bread, Let me ask a blessing on it. Heavenly Father, we we remember, we remember this morning the sacrifice that you gave through your son, his body broken and beaten for our sin. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that gracious gift that you would bear upon your body the consequences of our sin and so lord as we come this morning to the bread we remember and we are grateful and we ask your blessing on it in jesus name amen shall we partake together in another beautiful picture jesus would take the cup And he said to them, he says, this cup is the covenant in my blood, which is given for you. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And as he did that that night, he he had them partake of it. You and I, as we remember his sacrifice, the blood shed on the cross, we remember what it cost. We enter into that new covenant. You know what? Jesus said, I won't drink of this again until I return. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But let me ask a blessing on this cup as we remember. Heavenly Father, there is a cost to our sin. And the covering for that is the blood of a spotless lamb. And God, you sent your son, pure and perfect. And Jesus Christ, the the lamb of God, shed his blood on that cross for us. God, we are reminded this morning of the cost of our sin and we thank you we ask this blessing in Jesus name amen shall we partake together I love that as Jesus would would give that to his followers as 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 Paul would later remind the church as they would celebrate this over and over and remember that we are to do this until he returns. We're talking about that this morning. Peter in, in our passage is reminding us of things to come things which will come in the future it's kind of fun to come to to the scriptures and and peek look ahead just a little bit how many of you I, I want I'm just curious on this this isn't even my notes I'm just You're watching a movie, and how many of you actually go and look at how it ends before the movie's done? Do any of you do that? No? How many of you have ever read the last chapter in a book before you read the whole book? Ah, see? Okay. It's okay. I've read the last chapter in this book, too. It's great. Spoil alert. God wins. Okay? Um, It's a great thing. And Peter is reminding them of of things to come. The rapture is the next big event in God's revealed plan. And I say revealed plan because God is constantly working. And there are some amazing things that are going on in this world right now. But the rapture is God's next big event. Turn with me as we look at some things in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, but we're going to jump back one verse because I believe it's pertinent to the topic at hand. Verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells, therefore beloved. Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. I agree. Which was untaught which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And as we come to this passage, I want us to consider some upcoming events. Okay, and I even put together a nice little slide here. So it's kind of a map of future things. And I don't know about you, but when I look at a map, I like to know where I'm at. It helps me figure out where we're going. Okay, so you are here. All right, we are here in the church age. The time from the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, began that that age of the church. You and I are living in that age. As the bride of Jesus Christ, waiting with anticipation for his return for his bride. That's the exciting part, isn't it? And the thing is, is we are here, but at any moment we could be here. That's exciting too. Because the return, the rapture, is is an imminent event. It could happen at any moment. I always hope I'm preaching and I say that one time and bam, it happens. I'm like, man, that would be really cool timing, God. Okay? Except for the ones sitting here that don't have a relationship with him and are like, oh no. But this message is for you too if you're listening. Rapture. If you go and look at that, for that word in the Bible, you will not find it. Okay? Rapture comes from the Latin word uh, raptural. Okay? I don't know Latin. I don't speak Latin. I don't read Latin, but I have Latin tools. Okay? But it comes from that word, which means to snatch or take away. In Thessalonians, we see that Jesus Christ will come back and snatch up, gather up, take away his bride. It's a beautiful picture. And there will be a a wedding feast, and it will be amazing. At that time, Jesus will take the cup, and he will drink once again with his bride. What a beautiful thing that he's not drinking now. He's not drinking from that cup now because his bride is not complete. But soon, she'll be ready. She's preparing herself. And, and at that time of the rapture, the church is taken. The Holy Spirit is, is removed. The, the restrainer is removed, as Second Thessalonians talks about. And at that point begins a, the great tribulation. Seven years. Daniel talks about it as the 70th week. But this will be a time of great, great tribulation. We're going through that with our youth right now and discussing it. The things that this world will endure is horrific. And the worst thing of all is Satan himself will come and embody the one called the Antichrist. And he will rule on this earth like never before for seven whole years. And then comes the second coming of Christ. Notice, the rapture is not the second coming. He meets us in the clouds, he gathers his church to himself. He doesn't return, he brings us up. That's exciting. But at the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ returns. The first time Jesus Christ presented himself, he rode a donkey. Palm branches, people singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. A donkey was a a symbol of peace. The angels as he was born, peace on earth. But the next time he comes, he is not riding a donkey. He comes. By the way, we get to come with him. We're riding behind him. He's going to be the one doing the victory, okay? Okay. But this time he's riding a white horse. We don't live in those times. We don't understand the colors of horses and and the symbols there. But you know what? A king only would ride a white horse. The white horse was reserved for when he returned from battle. Victorious. If he returned from battle, defeated, he did not ride that white horse. They would know. But Jesus... The author and creator, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who knows all things goes into battle riding a white horse. Why? Because the victory is his. And it says that he, as he rides, there's a sword that comes from his mouth. He's not holding it in his hand. The power of defeat comes from the very word of God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, last week we looked at the word of God, but Wow! To come riding on that horse with the power of his word. That's victory. For 1,000 years, it's called the millennial reign. For 1,000 years, Jesus Christ will reign on earth, sitting on the throne of David, the rightful heir to the throne it will be amazing Satan is bound for a thousand years and then at the end of the thousand years believe it or not even with Satan out of the picture man still rebels against God even with perfect rulers ruler singular man still rebels oh we love to cast all of our problems and issues on government don't we? There will be a perfect government in place, and man will still sin. It's at that time Satan will be released. And once for all, there will be a judgment. It's at that time the books are open, it says that death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. And it's final. It's at that time that the earth will be burned up, as Peter is saying here. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will dwell and reign with him, those who are his, for eternity. That is in times teaching 101 in just a few minutes. How's that? Not bad, huh? I know, it took me two years in Bible college to go through all of that. I mean, man. If you want to look at these events further, we won't go there today, but Revelation 21, Matthew 24, wonderful chapters to read and study pertaining to these events. And Peter, in his, his, his letter, is talking about fire and consuming and burning up and destruction. And get this, church, he writes it to encourage them. Interesting, isn't it? This is to be something that is encouraging to his readers, to the bride of Christ. And I will say this, if you are sitting here, and this sounds very discouraging and scary. Consider your relationship with Jesus Christ. I never assume because you come on a Sunday morning that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The songs in which we sang about where Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I never make the assumption that you have placed your faith in his finished work. But if you have, this should encourage you. And here's the cool thing. It's encouraging because we know that God is coming back. Jesus is coming. That is a thrill and it says that it will be like a thief in the night. God is coming back. You guys are going to have to control it back there. I can't. There we go like a thief it's interesting that that phraseology because it's not just with peter jesus himself uses that phraseology paul uses that phraseology like a thief no one is anticipating a thief my wife and I had a funny conversation the other day. We got some cameras and uh, we, we were putting them around the house and stuff like that and for security. And we were debating, should we actually pay so it can record or should we just have it so we can, you know, look at them whenever we need? And my wife said, she honestly didn't think through this, okay? But she goes, well, if someone's, you know, taking our car, we can just turn on the camera and record it. Now wait a minute, if I know that they're coming to steal my car, I'm not going to be sitting going, oh, I need to get this on camera. (laughs) I'm going to go out my door and stop it, right? You don't anticipate a thief. If you do, you do something about it. This is something that comes when it's least expected. And his return is imminent. I love that. 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about the return and, and the imminent return of our, our Christ as a thief in the night when you're resting. I'm not going to stand up here this morning and give times and speculations. There's plenty of them out there. And honestly, if I did that, I would, I would look the fool. I know it's soon. I know that when we look at Scripture and we see the, the signs, the birthing pains that are happening, we look around our world, and our world is primed for the coming of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing it's imminent, it could come any time. I love here that Peter states will come. There is an assurance there. There is an absolute. This is not maybe or I hope he will come. Did you see that? It's it's so encouraging and the false teachers are are saying are you sure he's going to come? It's been just years upon years. I mean think about it. They were they were only talking like 20 years or so. Here we are 2,000 years later. And over and over, those who, who scoff continue to scoff. They don't look for his return. They mock the very God that has given us his word, who has been true to his word time and time again. It's interesting, though, as Peter writes these words, those mockers, evil, sin, will be judged. God will judge God's judged this earth before. You read in Genesis. Sin was rampant on the earth, and God sent a flood to wipe out the world. But this time, when his judgment comes, it'll be with fire. Look at some of the adjectives that are used as Peter is describing what is to come. Think about it. He talks about it with a roar. I don't know if you've ever been next to a large fire, but there is a roar to it. I've stood next to forest fire. Well, not close, but close enough you could hear the roar. It talks about the intense heat. So intense that things are burning up. They are melting. This is a purification process. They do it with gold. Intense heat. And they place that metal over the heat and all the impurities come to the surface and are removed. This is a purification process. Once and for all, God is removing sin and evil. And nothing. Nothing and no one will escape that judgment. Some of you may be sitting here, as I have before, You are very familiar with with mockers. You are very familiar with those who do evil, those who have harmed you, hurt you, stabbed you in the back, whatever the case may be, and you are like, yes! Judgment! Oh, wait till they get their comeuppets. And we long for that day. We're like, God, come quickly! And we forget verse 9. Our own heart, with our own hate and anger and sin, forgets the heart of our God. The Lord is not slow about his promise, so some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Oh God, forgive my heart. Forgive me for for having a heart that would want you to come so fast that there would be those that would spend an eternity in hell. How selfish And I'm saying I can relate with your feelings. I can relate with that that sentiment. But look at the heart of our God. So how should we live now? You know, as I I read verse 9... Initially, in my studies, the first time I went through Peter, I, I made this note. I made a note that drew to mind those who are lost and perishing. And as I studied it again, I was like, you know, I'm, uh, wow, I'm so compassionate towards those lost. And my mind continued to went, go to the lost individuals. I failed to realize what Peter stated there. But is patient toward you. God was patient with me, He patiently waited and drew me to Himself. God was patient with me. Church, we need to understand that. And if He's patient with me, I need to have His heart. And that heart will change how I live here and now. Peter challenges his readers. I I love that about Scripture. You don't come to Scripture and you're like, man, that was easy to read. (laughs) I can go on with my day now. No, you open up the pages of Scripture and you're like, oh man. I don't think I read that right. Oh man. It's challenging. It's convicting. And he says to his readers, the world, sin, evil, it's going to be burned up. Everything you and I are working for right now will be burned up. Think about that for just a moment. All the things we place value in in this temporary life, burned. So if that's the case, then how should we live? And I'm not saying that we don't make investments, that we don't live smart. But we have a perspective on the here and now that will impact eternity. Peter says, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Really? That means you and I have to live different. That means you and I are going to look different to the world around us. That means you and I have to set aside ourselves and live for Him. Peter's coming full circle on his argument. He does a good job with that. This is a letter. He's wrapping it up. Remember his argument that he started with in verse 3? Let me remind you of it. Second Peter 1, 3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. God has equipped us to live this life to mature and become more like Him. He's given us everything we need. And Peter has spent his, his entire letter reminding them of that. God is equipping His people. Peter is challenging them to remember the true knowledge, the things that have been given to us in the Word for right living. Causing us to mature As you and I know his word, we will mature in our Christian lives. The problem is, is some of us still want to live like babies where it's all about me, mine. Peter's challenging his readers, no, you and I are to grow Plant those roots in the firm foundation of the Word of God and grow and mature in our faith in holy conduct. What does holy conduct look like? Glad you asked. Oh, this is great. Well, if you want to know, then turn to chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence. That sounds like work, doesn't it? In your faith, supply moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Jump down to verse 10, and it says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, that's how we, oh, man, that's hard. That holy conduct, that's, that's hard. You know what's really cool is as Peter is writing this, he says that we can hasten his coming. What? I have no clue what that means. I have no clue how we can actually speed up his coming. But he's saying by our living, our living in this way, we hasten it. We are being a testimony to those around us. And here's the thing, I don't know if that means in our lifetime or future or what. But everybody who says, oh Lord, come quickly, should be going, oh, I need to be doing this. Isn't that cool? To have a heart for the lost. To spread his message I'm not saying that you and I try to figure out a number in Scripture and go, okay, once it's that number, then we have reached that number and God's going to return. There's no secret codes, okay? God is challenging and encouraging His church through this letter to be be zealous for our testimony of Christ. To be zealous and, and passionate about how we live for Christ. And if for no other reason, that we remember that God was patient towards us so that we too could come to him and have a relationship with him. Church, this means that you and I have an eternal perspective. Jesus, when he taught us to pray gave us kind of an outline as we pray we are to be praying for thy kingdom come to be desiring that, that one day he will rule on earth we are to have an eternal mindset even in our prayers when was the last time as you went to god you prayed about his um his coming you prayed about that eternal kingdom with a mindset of eternity as you dealt with the temporary. It changes how you pray for the temporary. It has to. I love that in verse 14. Look at look at the verbiage in 14. Therefore, beloved, since... You look for these things. He doesn't say, I hope you look for these things, or I pray you look for these things. He's just making the assumption that you are doing this. Maybe I should do that. Just assume that you are living this way and doing this in your life. Since you look for these things, what things? Peace. Knowing that you stand with Him, spotless and blameless. The purity that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ that we just remembered. The life that we are called to live, spotless, blameless. The heart of God of patience towards salvation. Peter finishes our passage today with a stern reminder of not twisting the Word of God. He recalls the things, the writings of Paul. And did you see how, how, he, how he labeled those letters that Paul wrote? Some of them very confusing. Paul was a lawyer, okay? But you know what? He said, Paul's letters, like ours, like the rest of Scripture. Peter understood that what he was writing here was Scripture. In the same category as those things that were written in the Old Testament, these were the very words of God. What a beautiful thing for the church to receive and understand that what they had, the letters from Paul, the letters from Peter, as Scripture. The words of God given to man. Three things I want you to remember as we leave today. One. Jesus is coming back as he said he would. He is good to his promise. Two. There is a coming judgment. Where do you stand? And three. We're living this temporary life. Are you maturing? Are you living this temporary life in a way that points others to Jesus Christ? If not, start today. Church, are you ready? To live for eternity today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are days it's hard to have an eternal mindset when the burdens of this life are very real, when the struggles continue to come. Oh, but God, all the more we need to have that eternal mindset. I pray that our church, Lord, we would live for eternity, not for today. Our choices, our actions, our words would point people to you. Oh, God, give us a heart like yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.